This is the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode, the video one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. It might seem oxymoronic to be talking about video via an audio channel, but video is one topic that people have been asking consistently since we started the podcast. With 30,000 hours of video being uploaded to YouTube every hour, people seem to be producing lots of content. And 84% of the UK population have a smartphone which will have the ability to make video. Now, whether that video is any good or not, (laughs) that's another matter. People have told us they want to hear from experts in this area. So we went out and we got two great women expert guests to talk through video. Our first guest is Nikki Hobson. Nikki is a learning designer who's passionate about video learning. Nikki encourages smartphone videography via hashtag video walks. And that's an initiative where she gets people to record around a specific theme. She also offers smartphone video training. And as well as designing engaging training, Nikki's got interests in learning technology, resource curation, social learning, etc. Our second guest is Jane Davids. Jane has been involved in learning and development for over 20 years, mainly as a systems trainer, designing and delivering training for the travel industry. About eight years ago, Jane set a company up, Ravion, with her husband, and since then has specialised in video for learning. Jane's a board member of the eLearning Network, and she's also a member of the Learning and Performance Institute. This episode was recorded in December 2020. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Nikki and Jane talking about video. Hi, um, I'm Jane. Hi, it's great to see you, Nikki. Hello, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. Uh, so great to uh, to chat with you today and uh, about our favourite subject, video. Video, I was, uh, Yeah, video and learning. And uh, I was remembering back to how we first met and... Uh, Friday mornings, 8am, LD Insight, and uh, it was clear that we both had a, a bit of a interest in video, and um, we then ended up meeting at Learning Technologies, wasn't it? Yes, the, uh, the summer forum, I think it was, um, and I can remember sitting on um, a bench in the forum and us chatting what felt like forever but felt like five minutes at the same time because was, the world was just moving around us and we were just in this little bubble of our own, just talking video. Just and talking just, video, yeah. Yeah, but that was a couple of years ago now. So yeah, and ever, ever since it's always video, video, video. <laughs> I was absolutely fascinated about your background, how you got into film and video. Yes, so one of the things we was talking about I did my degree in television and film design and from that started working in the film industry in the UK film industry short films and did a couple of feature films as well and then was told to get a real job 
um, which essentially paid the bills um, because a lot of film is who you know and your reputation and to get and build that it is more about working for expenses only and when you've got rent to pay and bills that doesn't really cut it so I was told to get a real job so I got the closest to film that I could get and started working as a manager in a multiplex cinema and from that went into HR went into training started training all the staff um, and then became a tutor um, a trainer designer and kind of now full circle so I design training and my focus is video the one thing that I am passionate about and love is trying to get as much video into learning as possible but your background is very different to mine. It is. And um, so my background is systems training. So for about 20 years, worked in the travel industry, um, teaching people how to use um, their software, um, how to book flights and, and things. So very much um, for classroom training. Um, so I would do some um, travel around the world. They were the, <laughs> the wonderful days. We could travel and... Um, but of course, there's an expense with that. And I was invited by a client who I freelanced for to, um, to create some videos. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I had no experience in creating videos. I didn't even have a webcam or anything like that. We're talking about that nine years ago. Um, but there was an opportunity and I love learning. And so I said, yes. I'll have a go at this video for learning and um, make some screencast videos, which is the recording of the computer screen and, and adding voice narration. And the client had already chosen TechSmith Camtasia, which is a screen recorder and video editor. And I just really enjoyed using it. Really, it was fascinating how you could um, create a video tutorial. Um, it was nerve wracking, hated listening to my voice. <laughs> and... Um, so yeah, so from there, that's my background of, of video and then just really enjoyed it. And so for continued and the film piece, it's more about um, making those video tutorials a bit more personal, engaging um, your viewer. So I encourage people to be on camera and introduce the topic and come onto camera sort of periodically when it's relevant throughout the tutorial and then a closing um, possibly with a call of call to action um, so my journey for the past couple of years and I think this is where we sparked our conversation about video because I just wanted to learn so much from you Nikki about getting onto camera um, the equipment and that's where you had that knowledge um, and so yeah that's what we've been sort of doing learning from each other haven't we the past yeah. couple of years we both have very different backgrounds of video. So a lot of people think video and think live action, how to, and it's not just that, is it? It's the, exactly as you've just said, the screen captures, um, the talking to camera. It's not just a how to, how to do something. Um, and it's nice that we can share those ideas with one another and learn from one another. And both of us hate, considering that we are, <laughs> so passionate about video we hate being on video <laughs> we do and do you remember we went to um oh Birmingham we met at the video, yeah, the video photography show, show. <laughs> yes. and um we we really pushed ourselves didn't we and we thought we've just got to get over ourselves we have to be on camera 
everyone's doing it. What could possibly go wrong? Um, and yeah, it's we certainly pushed ourselves out of our comfort zone. We did, yes. Um, and it was good fun, actually. It was. And I think that's one thing that people tend to be a bit wary of when it comes to video. They, they think they have to be in front of it. Now, you don't have to. It is a really good way of introducing yourself and becoming mm. a person. So it's not just a training video with a voiceover. Oh, look, it's Jane. And oh, look, I, I really like her voice because she comes across the same when I can see her as the same she does when I'm just looking at a screen capture. So it does add a lot of value. Um, yeah. Why do you think we don't like being on camera? Have you ever got to the bottom of that? I think it's because I was always behind it. I specifically chose to be behind it. <laughs> so getting over the fact that um, it's, yeah, just watching yourself. You're exactly like you've just said, your voice, your face, mm -hmm. the ums, the ahs, the ticks, and all, because you want a perfect video, you sit there and go, no, stop it, stop it. And you hear yourself like tick or um, and you're like, no, no, no. Um, and you know how difficult it is to edit. Um, so I think we are probably overcritical. Mm, definitely. Whereas I think if we are, say, directing somebody else, we're like, no, just be yourself. But when we're doing it ourselves, it's like, no, I, I don't want to be my, myself. I want to be this perfect image. And it doesn't work like that. It's sometimes, um, no. sorry, sometimes the more natural it is, the better the video. Definitely. And, and I'm, I'm with you. I, brilliant at encouraging other people and and I've I've helped other people develop their on-camera skills um I'm better definitely better I remember being um of course on the webcams now um it was at the e-learning network my first board meeting last December and I attended and everybody had their cameras on and I thought I can't be the only one that doesn't have my camera on so I did put the camera on and then of course because of the situation now it just seems quite normal, you I know. And, Sorry, go on. And I think, yeah, I think we're just more accepting of ourselves that, you know, I've always been sort of, you know, polished videos and taking out all the errors and making sure that it's slick and the voiceover and, you know, and I think now it's, it's okay for it to be okay. It doesn't yeah. have to be polished. Would you agree? I do. And I do wonder how like COVID and the fact that we're all working from home and we're on Zoom and Teams all the time looking at a camera, if that's going to help us all kind of get over that, um, that step of, I don't like seeing myself. I can't, oh my gosh, I look a mess. Um, I do wonder if we will move forward and make it easier. So when we do need to present it, there's lots of trainers that I now know who are delivering virtual classrooms, mm -hmm. who have their little video down in the bottom. So when this is all over and we can go back to face-to-face, -to -face, um, if we choose to go back to face-to-face, -to -face, when we say, oh, will you just do an intro to a camera for me? Hopefully it won't be as daunting. Fingers crossed, because it's not as scary. Video isn't as scary as everybody thinks it is. Absolutely. And I think we've, we've both proven that, I think. Um, and I... Well, I <laughs> well we're still working on it but yeah we're getting better um what I really liked was your video walks so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and then I'll tell you why I liked it it's all about just trying to encourage people to use video whether that be for work for learning 
just for their personal life as well. Like the camera on my iPhone is so much better than the cameras that I was using at university. And it's like, we're not utilizing them half as much. Mm. So I introduced the video walks to really just encourage people to go out and film. I am terrible at filming things when I'm out walking with the dog. Um, and I'll see a nice bit of, of landscape and I'll film it or a nice bit of river. And, and it's just experimenting with what the phone is capable. So when it comes to applying that at work to, to do a how-to video or whether that's talk to camera, you know how to use it. Mm. Um, and it's all about sharing from one another and encouraging one another because, like you say, we're both great at that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, doing it myself yeah. um, but I thought it was a fantastic opportunity so the the video walks you just sort of you said what the topic was so I didn't have to think about a topic and it, I didn't have to be on camera it was just the opportunity was there to get the phone out and didn't even need to do the voiceover it could just be however I wanted it and I think my very first one I think I even just took still images Mm. and then use those yeah. still images and put them into TechSmith Camtasia and put them in a sequential order. And I think I added some text, you know, to, to help with the, the telling of the story. Um, and then I thought for the next one, I've got to develop my skills as an opportunity. Come on. And, yeah. and I was supporting you, obviously, with your initiative for the video walks, but also developing my own skill and pushing myself the quality of the videos that I've been doing just from I say playing and and that's all mm. it really takes when you're doing video just have a go don't be afraid you're not going to break anything if it goes terribly wrong you never need to share it it can just be you and the phone that ever needs to know um, you can quickly delete it it's not like when I was filming on film it was very expensive if you made a mistake mm. um, you we don't need to worry about that anymore um, so it's all about just going and playing with it. And as I say, the quality of the videos are just massively improved just through that. Oh, actually, I tried that that month. I'm going to try that this month. And next year, I've already got the I have to now talk to camera. So I have avoided it. <laughs> next year's mission is right. I am going to be visible in, in some of the video walks that I do. So it's all about challenging yourself in different ways and just playing well, i'm gonna hold really you to simple. that nikki <laughs> <laughs> i'm you sure you will now <laughs> you've got to be accountable for that um but yeah i i love that that it's we just build small steps and that's mm. what i do in my teaching when i'm helping people develop their video skills just the little steps it doesn't have to be perfect no. do what you're comfortable with um, and then just grow and then just develop. Um, but also learn, you see what other people are doing. And um, so I think one of the big things for me was the equipment. Yes. And, yeah. you know, whilst you've mentioned the smartphone is fantastic, it's what most of us have in our pockets. Mm. And it's so quickly and easy to just press the record button. Yeah. Add the you know the narration. Put your um, microphone buds in, and um, but there are certain things that we can do, which I've learned from you, and obviously, um, you know, through the what I'm doing in my company now. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the equipment? Think the length, the minimum that we'd need to look well, at. The minimum is a camera. 
And I heard a great tip over the summer that the best camera is the one you've got available. Mm-hmm. So the one that's in your pocket, the one that is there at that moment in time. Um, so that's the only thing you need. There are other things that will help you, obviously. You can spend thousands. Mm-hmm. As we both know, you could spend an absolute fortune, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use um, a smartphone rig. Um, they're not that expensive from Amazon or eBay, and that will help you just stabilize your video so mm-hmm. you won't get that wobble or that shake. The best thing you can buy is a microphone because the audio is the one thing that people won't listen to so Mm. if it's shaky camera people tend to be a bit more relaxed about it a bit more tolerant to it Uh, whereas if it's bad audio they click off straight away or within the first few seconds that's a really interesting point and stability is the big thing that I'm I suffer from motion sickness so if you're talking to camera and you're out and about let's say on one of your video walks if there is too much mo- movement in the video, I can't watch it. Yeah. So I have to turn it off. So I think um, I think it's something to to think about. And um, yeah, so if I would probably say the stability and the microphone, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if, if you're using it, say, professionally in work for learning, then at that point, it's worth investing in some because it does give it a higher quality, uh, like, the whole video will just have a better quality about it, a more professional look, a more professional feel. The moment that you can hear clearly what's going on, a light as well. It doesn't have to be a massive thing. It can be, if you're not using your phone, the uh, torch on your smartphone, uh, just to brighten somebody's face up, just so that you can see that, see the person, see the focus of that image or that yep. video. Um, and it just really does add to it most of the time if you edit just smartphone footage it's good enough Mm. if you've got the content right and the context of the video then people will watch it if they're interested they will watch it I totally agree and just going back to the lighting I think one of the the most the cheapest light is the natural light isn't it so if you are by a window make sure that you face the window and um but yeah, if you haven't, if it's dark, then obviously you've got to have the uh, artificial light. But that you can pick stuff up, um, like you know the little ring lights, or um, even the, the light from your laptop actually gives off a little bit of light. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, they they are coming down in price an awful lot. You can pick them up for ten, fifteen pounds, so you don't have to spend a lot of money at all on it. And and that's if you want to spend money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we both love it we do spend money on it we buy gimbals we buy lights tripods toys essentially that we can <laughs> go and play with <laughs> and get very excited mm-hmm. about it um, but you really don't have to um, as I say the best camera is the one that you have yeah absolutely and I and I think messages you know you don't have to buy this equipment it just depends on the video that you're making mm-hmm. you know you can who's the audience, who, who's going to be watching it and what quality does it need to be? Yeah. Um, going back to the stability, that that gimbal, we've both got gimbals. Well, I, I don't really yeah. use it. My husband is more into the equipment and the filming. He's, he's That's more his bag. Um, 
but that's where you can get stabilization is that right yes that's right yeah so you can get the smooth shots the when you're walking and I'm showing you but I'm aware that this is a podcast so you can't see it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yes it's that nice steady movement shot um, and you can zoom in and follow somebody walking um, and you don't get that rocky shaky thing yeah Um, but it's a wonderful Mm -hmm. tool and they are again coming quite quite cheaply now so you can I'm going to say pan so pull from like the left hand side of the screen and move across to the right hand side and you can do that really nice and smoothly on a gimbal Um, but again it depends what you're trying to do in a video Mm. you you might not want to pan it and I think to me that's the thing that people tend to forget when they're doing video I don't know if you'd agree with this but they get so excited oh we're going to do a video we're going to do this right okay let's get a camera let's get a light let's do this and then they get onto set or wherever they're going to film and go oh what are we doing what <laughs> what were we filming what, what was the purpose of this video and that to me is the most important thing you have to do your prep you have to know that what you're about to film is needed for a start, especially in in learning. Is it actually going to meet a training need or are we just shooting a video because we want to shoot a video? We want to get the equipment out. I totally agree. And it's the same for screencasting, actually. So I would always make sure um, what the purpose of the video is. It's generally a process that I'm recording. So it'll be, how do I do something in a particular software? And I would have a storyboard. I'd work out what the objective of that video is, what's relevant for that video, uh, storyboard it, and um, and yeah, totally plan it out. I think it's so important. And I generally script my videos as well. So um, I know some people don't, but I think it's it's that sort of planning in me. I like to have, I know that I've included everything I needed to include. Yeah. And it also helps me with my ums and the ahs if I'm doing the voice narration as well. Um, so what do you what do you include in your planning? So when I plan, because I tend to do live action, it's where I'm going to shoot. Um, so I tend to go into a bit of a recce of the location before uh, because I think, again, that's something people tend to forget. So they'll put themselves into a corner and go, well, just get out of everybody's way. When in actual fact, you want to be shooting the video in the place where it's going to happen. So I'm thinking, uh, let's talk about retail. If you're filming, like how to do something, you don't want to be tucked away in the back room. You want to be on the shop floor at a till point if you're showing somebody a process. So go and check out that space. Go and have a look. Look for plug sockets, especially if you're going to need some lights or some cameras or a power source of some sort. Because if you're shooting on your um, vid- um, on your phone, Although the batteries are getting better, the moment that you start using video, the power just goes wrong. Yeah. So check for power sources. We have in, in one of the stores of, for the company I work with an awful air conditioning unit. So I have to plan around the air conditioning time. What time is it going to kick in? What time is it going to go down? Because it just rattles and that picks up on the, uh, on the audio. So it's one great thing. Go and find out where you're shooting. Plan because I'm a massive believer in B-roll. So B-roll, most people focus on the main action um, and they'll set one camera in one position and they'll just see the action through. Mm -hmm. And I like to edit. So I will use a second camera or I will 
move the camera and get the action from a like ask them to do it again um, and shoot it from a different position so that then is b-roll which i can cut into that main footage to me that adds so much more engagement into a video because the viewer just has a different viewpoint of things um so i will always plan what kind of shot i want so if i want a close-up if i'm doing a how-to video if i want a close-up of the hands for example at that point i'm going to need to move my camera so i will plan essentially my setup position so i will ask them to do the action from this point then i'll move my camera and then i will pop them like pop the camera somewhere else and and ask them to to repeat it the Mm -hmm. people that i work with get really tired of me because i'm like you know what i'm going to ask you but can you just do that again for me? Um, so I always ask them to repeat it a couple of times because the first time they get really nervous. So it's like, okay, that's fine. We've got it done. That big scary button has gone away now. <laughs> now let's do it again. Now you've eased into it. And then they ease into it and they go, oh, actually, I should have said that. And it's like, it's fine. Let's do it again. Mm. We have nothing to lose. It took you 30 seconds, a minute or something like that. Let's just do it again if that makes you more comfortable. Um, so for me, I, I plan where I'm going, what I've got when I get there, what I need to shoot. So essentially it's like a tick list Mm -hmm. Um, and it depends who I'm working with. So if I'm talking to camera like you, I like to script it. Um, If I'm working with somebody else, I tend to forward them a script before, but say to them on the day, we can rip this up. I have been known to stand there with big A3 flip chart paper just above the camera with like bullet points so they've yeah. got like it because at that point I didn't have a um, oh words have escaped me um teleprompter thank you yes. <laughs> yes at that point I didn't have one so I just stood there with a piece of paper with like key points that they needed and they um they just spoke from themselves um and it came across a lot more natural whereas mm-hmm. when they were reading from the script they mm-hmm. were very robotic so do you use b-roll um, I, well, it depends on the video that I'm doing. Um, I've done some, um, yeah, it really depends on uh, if I, if it's, I do little gifts, which have really quick little videos and they're only about 15 seconds. So there wouldn't really be time. There's no voice narration on that. It's just simply click here. You do this and it, it shows the process. I've done, um, more of a promo video for somebody recently and that was a lot of using a lot of images as well as the screen capture so it was recording it was sending people to their website so I recorded their website and how you accessed it and focused on some of their um, key points but there was an element of finding visuals which is similar it's your b-roll isn't it it's your complementary footage and working out which was the right um, image that would then complement what they were saying. So they had a script. um, And I think there was one that was talking about um, a global audience. And so I went off and found um, something from, I think it was Pexels or Pixabay or Unsplash, one of the um, image um, places that you can go view images. And um, so, yes, yeah, so I found a globe and then I animated it. And so, yeah, it's B-roll. I think it can be a, a variety of different things. So, yeah, it depends on my video, but definitely worth some, something to think about. Because if 
if you've got somebody maybe doing um, a lecture for 30 minutes, it's quite hard to just watch somebody for 30 minutes. So then if you can then use some visuals that can explain and enhance what you're saying, um, I think that makes a huge difference to keeping people's engagement in watching your video. Would you agree? Definitely. Yeah. It's and during COVID, this is one thing I'm seeing more of. Just we want to record our Zoom call and somebody will watch it for an hour. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I think we need to put something else in here because it's a long time to ask somebody. Mm. We would never sit down and watch a television uh, of just one shot. And when we do a film in it, it causes like 1917 was a recent film where it was one continuous shot. Yes, um, I haven't seen that yet. It, it's fantastic. You need to see it. It's just technically marvellous. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it happens, it becomes this massive thing of, oh, my gosh, a director has managed to make it look like one seamless take because it just doesn't happen because most people realise to get that engagement, to draw people in, we need to change the image. Um, and, and there is a, a time frame where they say that you should flip the the shot and I can't remember what it is it's quick it's about it's less than three seconds yeah if if you think about you know watching films something's changing quite quickly yeah um but obviously it depends if you're yeah what you're focusing on I think a lot of the things that I tend to do the image might not change because I might be explaining what's on the screen but I'll use things like text and text boxes and arrows to annotate what I'm drawing attention to on the screen, or I might zoom into a particular area to to capture that focus. So whilst the overall image isn't changing, you've still got movement on the screen because video is about movement, isn't it? Mm. And even if you've got... um, I remember the Ken Burns effect, if you have that, and you'll be familiar with that. Yeah. Um, having that still image, you can still make a still image look as if it's moving by yeah. adding that slight, slow movement, yeah. which, of course, you do in post, in editing, don't you? Yeah. So the Ken Burns effect, I don't know if it's just an Apple thing or if it's across all devices, but essentially it's a photograph um, that... It does just slowly like either zoom in or pan to the left or zoom out, depending on what it's normally an automated. I know you can manually set it, can't you, in, in some editing software. So iMovie do it. Um, it's something that I think you manually have to do in other editing software like um, Premiere and... Yeah, so I do the same in Camtasia. <laughs> yeah. So I would add, yeah, add the keyframe and work out the speed that you want it to move but it's sort of going back to that a still image is okay but don't leave it as a still image too long your viewers are they just need movement yeah and that's what the Ken Burns effect um builds in for you yeah Yeah. and if if for whatever reason you have to have it on that still image at that point you, you need some other senses engaged so audio whether it be your voice, if, if you just change your pitch and voice or something like that, but something has to spark and draw that viewer into that video. Yes, adding those little sound effects in. Yeah. <laughs> Do you just use sound go, effects? 
yes, I do. Yeah. Essentially, if um, something hasn't come across across clearly in my microphone, I will tend to add it in in posts afterwards. So uh-huh. while I'm editing. Um, but just going back to a comment that you made earlier about Pexels and the other websites that have hmm. like royalty free images and things. Have you noticed that they now do videos? Yes. So yes, and I have used some of them. Yeah, you don't have to go and create videos anymore. Yeah. It's not like you have to go and edit. If you use websites like that, you can lovingly steal <laughs> with credits, um, but use those to pop into your training materials just to bring things to life yeah. a little bit more. Um, Absolutely. And I'm trying to think of the sound effects. Um, oh, there, there is a link. I'll have to probably add it into the show notes, but um, we can add all these places where we get our images from and videos from can't we Nikki yeah there's there's loads of templates as well so there's like um photographs and videos so they're places like pixels and the pixels even um and then I use a website called motion array and that's where you can get some sound effects from you can also get templates from um so if you wanted to edit something in a certain style um they have um premiere like it's essentially a mock project that you can go and put your videos into and it will add an effect um oh that's but that sounds a bit like Camtasia so we have templates in Camtasia where you can just like you say sort of steal it's already there you don't have to go and create your intro and your outro and your lower thirds and your titles um is that similar that you just and then you customize it so you can go in and say these are the colors that I always want to use because that's one thing about my videos. I like to have consistency. So I would always encourage um, clients that I always get their branding colors, uh, any logo that they use, um, just to, so your viewer, then if there's like a series of videos, they are familiar and they sort of know what to expect. Um, But it's a great way of also obviously getting your branding out there as well. And it's a great way of getting ideas. So even if you think, oh, okay, can I adapt this to something that I'm doing? So even if you just spend 10 minutes just scrolling through, you're like, actually, I really like that style. I, uh, I'm going to lovingly borrow that and adapt it slightly because I don't need the entire thing, but I can just steal this little element of it. So. I, I'm all for that. And, and I think I get a lot from watching videos. Yeah. And then do you, do you ever try to recreate that? So I'll see something here. They've said it's a, they've done it in Camtasia. So how would they have done that? All so I've got a time. real curious mind. Um, and then yeah, I'll try and recreate that. Yeah, and always it is learning that that playing, isn't it? Oh, I've seen that, and I want to see how I can do that, and if I can make it better, or if I could adapt it for this. Yeah, no. absolutely. So Nikki, I was just wondering, um, have you do you see anything different? being a woman in film industry I mean for me particularly I haven't other than I I tend to speak to more women that are camera shy but in the industry that where you've been behind the camera is there anything that you've experienced you want to share so whilst we were working in the film industry you found a lot of women were obviously drawn to like the makeup the costume design the set designs things like that when it came to the technical elements say behind the camera the director of photography the sound they were on the majority men so there was one person that I knew that was a camera woman um, 
a lot of the time she she didn't struggle but it, it was more difficult for her um, because they tend to assume and I found this working in organizations if I'm going in with and I've been lucky enough to have a great kit so I've had a professional camera lights green screen a full rig um, that I've had to traipse up three flights of stairs and things like that <laughs> so I, I find that if I'm doing that lots of people offer me help oh are you okay with that I'll help and, and I'm like no no I'm fine whereas my colleagues who are male they don't get that and then I turn up with all this equipment and they're like are you sure you're okay setting this up and I'm like yeah I'm fine so I think there's a lot of <laughs> it sounds horrible to say but you're a woman are you, are you sure you know what you're doing um and it's like yes I'm perfectly capable of of setting the lights up um but I think it's it's I don't know whether it's the I feel like I should help you because it's obviously a lot of kit and it it can be quite heavy Mm. uh, depending on obviously how big the lights are the camera kit is so I think there's that I, I want to help you whereas my male colleagues have never been offered and it drives them insane interesting um, so and there's that technical side of if I get into conversations about editing software sometimes you can see them going oh you you do know what you're talking about um I think it is still a male dominated area um bringing it to learning it becomes very different Mm. because at that point it's very much an open agendas are split equally Mm -hmm. um but if we're just talking video I think at that moment, it's, it's males. Uh, it's changing. It is definitely improving. And there's a lot more women out there. Um, and a lot more women that are getting their voices heard. And that that's fantastic, isn't it? And I think um, a message to you and I, really, just to give it a go. And, yeah. uh, and just, to, you know, don't be shy. And always remember that you can just don't share it, just delete it, just practice. Um, If it means just getting on a Zoom call, turning on that camera, just have a go. Um, Is there anything other advice that you'd share? I would say the best place to go, surprisingly, is YouTube. Look at videos. (laughs) Um, There are videos about everything. So how to actually shoot things with your camera, how to set your exposure, your focus, how to get the best footage in low light, how to edit, depending on whichever editing software you want to do. There are so many how-to videos. You've made a career in how-to videos for an editing software. Uh, There are thousands of of things on YouTube, and YouTube is the perfect example of why video and learning should be more prominent. Absolutely. And I think I would probably just add, just start small. Don't have, you know, don't aim too high you know, find something that is achievable, um, whether that's just, I'm going to just turn the camera on and just yes. set it up, but then just make those little steps and think, actually, do I need to look at my background? What's in my background? And is that all relevant for the camera? And just little steps is what I would say. And I, I just want to continue this journey with you, Nikki, and improve getting on camera and, yes. uh, and see other people, um, women in particular, obviously, um, getting on camera a bit more yeah no me too and it's like from where we started as the summer forum to where we are now 
both of us have grown massively and I have no doubt that we will continue to do that. Um, we will. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, it's been an absolute delight talking to you, Nikki. And you. And, as always. And I hope we can catch up again. And yeah, Definitely. share some more video tips and um, continue learning together. Yes, definitely. It's been great catching up. You too. Take care. About our favourite subject video. Yes, take yep. care. All right. Bye. Bye. See you. I've mentioned before how lucky I am to be in the room when our guests are recording. Um, and this one was no exception. Again, apologies if you're expecting a half-hour podcast because this went on way over that. What I thought was great was the honesty from both of my guests saying how uncomfortable they felt in front of the camera. Because it's exactly the same how uncomfortable they felt for recording. I know even up until the day before we published this podcast, our guests are nervous, um, even to the point of mentioning imposter syndrome, which was the episode we did in December. Did Nikki and Jane cover everything you needed? Is there something else you would like to have asked them? They gave us a ton of links. And go to the show notes and you'll you'll find all of their notes in the show notes. Also, you'll find their contact information. You can find both Nikki and Jane on Twitter. Nikki is at Focus and Develop. And Jane, you can also find as Jane Davids. That's both at Focus and Develop and both at Jane Davids. We're going to be doing something really special soon with a live episode. But we still have a list of topics on the website that people are asking us to talk through. Check in the show notes and you'll find the link. And if you're interested, just get in touch. Thank you once again for listening and we hope to speak to you again soon. You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music and Alexa, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or your favourite podcast app. You can get in touch with Women Talking About Learning via email, on Twitter at WTAL underscore podcast, or via our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more women talking about learning. For more of The Signal, none of the noise.